Hello welcome to California PC 187 The podcast, 187 is the penal code in California for homicide. In this podcast we focus on murders that have taken place in the southwestern region of Los Angeles County known as the South Bay, Harbor Area and Gateway Cities. Aside from murder other grimy and possibly trigger some topics may be discussed such as rape, animal and or child abuse, torture and other types of crimes. The hosts might sometimes use language that could be considered offensive to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Murder! Murder, murder, murder. You got away with murder. You got away with a lie. Hello, welcome to California PC 187, the podcast. Wait, get that, don't get it. So it has to be false. This is Brett. And this is Cheryl. And we do have Dwee here. She just got a really nice bath and she's laying in between us. And we're not homeless anymore in our car. No, we're not. So, and you know, the last podcast really got us kind of down a little bit because it was about um, Alba and... Just it's really sad. So we're just going to do something a little bit different right now. This podcast, it's going to be um, shorter than the others. And um, anyway, you'll see. Um, we're here with our trusted friend Dutch, like I told you. We're not homeless. We're working. We're doing our best. Um, I want to thank... Um, Texas Radio Fish from uh, for the use of the song Murder. Uh, we got that from ccmixter.org and also to Epicis for um, My California. That's the song we played at the end. We got that from epidemic.org, uh, I think. Epidemic Sound. Um, so. I want to thank Bad in the Boondocks. First, I thought it was Down in the Boondocks, but then I listened to it a little clearer and it was Bad in the Boondocks. Yeah, because we have a um, we have a Castbox account, and we were going as South Bay Homie. That's actually what it says on our on our um, our California PC one eighty seven at gmail So if you ever want to write us or have any suggestions or criticisms or anything that you would like to say to us, then it would be at California PC one eight seven at gmail and the username that we have on there is South Bay. And then I put homie, like H-O-M-I, meaning homicide. Short for homicide, not not homie. But we like it that it's homie. We think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we fool a lot of people with that. Actually, Cheryl, because he thought of that. It was pretty crafty. She's quick like that. Anyway, so I changed our CastBox account, though, to California PC 187 The podcast. It was kind of neat to hear our, um, our plug on... Uh, the, the bad in the boondocks. Yes, by Stanley and uh, Daru. Daru. 
We love them. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah we do. I like them. Like, we, I think we started watch, listening, went watching them. We started listening to them from the gate. Yeah, and, and they've all, grown and changed a lot. Yeah, it's they amazing. Have, they have we grown. hope that we can, we aspire to be like them. Yeah, they are. They're, they're getting well-rounded. Yes. Okay, so look at before we get into anything. Can you lean up now? I wanted to go over um, again uh, the California Penal Code 187. It's actually 180 Penal Codes 187 through 199. Um, murder is the unlawful killing of a <laughs> Lay down, bitches. Okay, good, good girl. You know, she's a good watchdog. She just gets really upset when we talk about this, even though she's a murderous beast herself. She's just always trying to kill gophers. Uh, and she's hardened from the streets. Right? So, murder is the unlawful killing of a human being or a fetus with malice aforethought. Anyone tried and found guilty of first-degree murder shall be punished by death or imprisonment in state prison for life without the possibility of parole. Um, yeah. So would that be Correct. fetus like the, with the beginning of the... Uh, so it would be fetus? like if you went to a doctor, you know, a doctor, and you signed a consent form, and you agreed, and you paid to get an abortion, then that's fine. But if you, somebody kills you, um, or you kill your baby, I guess... If at you the don't moment do it with of a doctor, no, not oh, at the moment. You for, oh, okay. You're saying a fetus, oh, man. A fetus, a fetus yeah. isn't conceived yet. When a woman kills, a fetus. I mean, a fetus is conceived, but a fetus isn't born. Oh. Hey, Dutch, you need to just stop. Just you know, just leave your two cents out of this. Is this plugged in? Okay. So, um, so you can't be killing fetuses. Okay. <laughs> no, don't kill fetuses. The act complied with the Therapeutic Abortion Act, Article 2 of whatever. So it's basically there's a therapeutic abortion act that says that it's okay to do that, but it's not okay to kill a woman that's pregnant because it'll be a double homicide. Uh, something like that. I probably just made, yeah, anyway. Okay, so um, it says the act it has to be um, committed by a holder of a physician's and surgeon's certificate as defined in the Business and Professions Code. In a case where, to a medical certainty, the result of childbirth would be death of the mother. Now, that's... I mean, people that are getting abortions... That's yeah, a whole separate issue. It, no, listen, it's, listen, it's not because the death of the mother <laughs> of the fetus would happen. That's not why a lot of people get abortions, because they're irresponsible. Well, no, I mean... Well, I mean, all right, I don't want to get into that. That's just like, yeah. let's go on. Okay, so, um, it would be considered, okay, it would be considered murder if, if it, the act was solicited, aided, abetted. Oh, no, 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 it wouldn't be if it was solicited, aided, abetted, or consented by the mother. So, like, I guess if somebody did that against your will, I don't know. Anyway, so, um, uh, and then... You know, it's talking about malice of forethought, right? Malice is expressed when there is a manifested and deliberate intention to unlawfully take away the life of a fellow creature. Wow. They, creature? Like in the Constitution or whatever, the California penal legal documentation, they refer to people as creatures. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Malice is implied when no considerable provocation appears or when the circumstances attending the killing show an abandoned and, mal abandoned and malignant heart. Except as stated in subdivision E of section 189, 
A. Dutch. In order to be convicted of murder, a principal in a crime shall act with malice aforethought. Malice shall not be imputed to a person based solely on his or her participation in the crime. Oh, so so there could be two people that commit the crime, and one person is full of malice, and the other one was yeah. just there. Yeah, just there, just participates. Doesn't say stop. Okay. Oh, okay. So that that is participation, huh? A lot of times that happens. Okay. It also finds that um, all unlawful killings that are willful, deliberate, and premeditated, in which the victim is a peace officer, so a police officer, that you're done. Like you're just gonna go. Not only you're gonna get beat up once you get arrested, but you are like beat to smithereens, probably. Yeah, you're gonna have a rough. Yeah, but you're also gonna be put to sleep if you're not. Yeah, put to sleep. The lethal yeah. injection, which actually they don't even do that anymore. I mean, it's. It's on hold. It's on. It's in limbo in California. It has been to, since 2006. Okay. But it says here that every person guilty of murder in the first degree shall be punished by death, imprisonment in the state prison for life without the possibility of parole, or imprisonment in the state for a term of 25 years to life. Are you, Min- are you crying? Minimum. No. Minimum 25 to life for first degree murder. If you're convicted of it. The penalty to be applied shall be determined as provided. Okay, in all these sections. We're not going to get into that. Um, But this is what I also wanted to go into. Um, Except except if someone... So that's first degree murder. There's also um, second degree murder. And um, there's something called the felony murder rule. It means the rule of felony murder is a legal doctrine in some common law jurisdictions that broadens the crime of murder. When an offender kills, regardless of his intent to kill or not, in the commission of a dangerous or enumerated crime called a felony in some jurisdictions, the offender and also the offender's accomplices or co-conspirators may be found guilty of murder. So, like, the example that was used was... Um, if you, if, uh, if somebody like, like robbed, a, um, robbed, like say a, a lumber yard and then he was riding down the road with big old stacks of lumber Ran and, over and somebody. no, and the lumber fell out the back of his truck as he was in his getaway and it went through the windshield of somebody's car mm-hmm. and like decapitated him. Right. Like just on the highway or whatever. Second degree. Mm. Well, they said it's first degree. They said it could be considered first degree murder. That's the felony murder law rule. Not the felony murder rule. Oh, when in the act of a felony? Yes, a when felony, in the act of a felony. felony someone's life whether you locked. meant to kill somebody or not. Right. Still if, first degree. Yes, if somebody ends up being killed. Right. Oh, yeah, if you're getting chased by the police officers and you're in a yeah. high-speed chase and you run somebody over, they yeah. get you for first degree murder. Yeah, it says... The concept of felony murder originates in the rule of transferred intent, which is older than the limit of legal memory. I don't know what that means, but first degree murder. So these are the things that you could be doing and not mean to kill anybody, but kill somebody and be considered first degree murder. And you could very well get get basically a life sentence, but on death row. <laughs> Um, let me see. Arson, rape, and other sexual crimes, carjacking, robbery, burglary, mayhem, kidnapping, train wrecking. Train wrecking. I know. I'm like, really? Yeah, it's like my everybody go train wrecking. I know. Like, um, like, like, yeah, like the Union Pacific Railroad, you know, they're just out there. Yeah, that's, that's a weird one. Train wrecking. I don't get that either. And any homicide committed by intentionally firing a gun from a motor vehicle at a person outside of the motor vehicle with the intention to cause death. So, second degree murder is, um, they found that, uh, 
manufacturing methamphetamines, maliciously burning a car, and possessing a bomb in a residential area are dangerous felonies and they could cause harm and possibly kill other people. And I guess those, which that doesn't make sense, are second degree murder. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so, um, Growing up in Torrance, which is a city located in a part of Los Angeles County known as the South Bay, I never really thought too much about the police. I never thought about them positively or negatively. They were not my heroes, nor were firemen, because I was in love with Elvis Presley and Doris Day and Rock Hudson, and I wanted to be a movie star. What about you? I was in love with Wonder Woman. I was I was in love with Madonna. <laughs> but did you want to be a policeman, or did you like? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Your, his uncle was a homicide detective. Okay. But um, so my parents were law-abiding citizens. They never cheated on their taxes. They never got in any trouble. Like I think the worst thing that my dad did was um, he made like a, a he made a, a police. What do, what do you call those? He called it a fuzzbuster. But what do you call him? Oh, a, sc- a scanner. Yeah, a police scanner. So when we were driving to Florida, he could speed along the highway. Oh, and, God. And uh, whatever. That was like the worst thing that he did, yeah, okay? I can see that would be the worst thing he would do. But, it's not worse. So regardless. Avoid a ticket. Either way, my parents never got in trouble. But they would buster. still get nervous when policemen would, like, you know, be driving behind them. Yeah. For some reason. Um, I didn't start getting nervous about police until, um, I don't know. Till I was um, getting in trouble myself, because like all, all my, um, like you, you know, like remember Santa Claus? Yeah. So Tor- oh, he would come to Torrance Police, yeah. come down the street with Santa Claus, and yes, yeah. and it's awesome. He Torrance Police, he comes every year. Like you don't know which neighborhood he's going to be on which night, and he's got like um, the police, the Torrance. Um, the police escort him and then he, Santa comes with a sleigh and it's like really loud music and he gives little stockings full of candy to everybody and it's just really exciting and fun it was and it was and that was the Torrance police that did that right yeah so then also a lot of my softball coaches growing up were Torrance policemen so I didn't have any reason to think anything ill of the police no. until I started getting in trouble myself that was when I was 13 and I got caught shoplifting and then in later years I got in worse trouble but then I, I don't get in trouble anymore no and also, you know, like when my dad died, I realized that because there was a policeman that had to stay there all day. He was really nice. He had to stay there with my dad, you know, until my the mortuary came and got my dad's body. And it's got me to thinking about how, you know, police in general, they deal with a lot of stuff that people don't think that they deal with. Like people don't consider that, you know, like there's that one dude riding around give, harassing them because you know, when they're pulling people over on bicycles, right? Right. But they don't consider it like... Um, they don't realize the stress and the stuff that they have to observe and see and be a part of. Yeah, like that, that police officer that was there when my dad died that day. I mean... Yeah. That's daily stuff. That was pretty... I mean, I don't know how he felt, but it was right. kind of an emotional, dramatic scene. Yeah. And he was very patient and kind and, and good to me. Yeah. And um, I don't know when maybe, say, police officers get a wellness call for somebody that hasn't been around in three weeks and it turns out that they're dead in their home for three weeks and you know having to see children that are decapitated or i don't know get spit on get 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 ridiculed get i don't know i just think that they have a really tough job yeah they're there to protect and serve and it's it's actually a job that you're sworn in 
and you're you're trained it's not it's i think it's a selective few to get to be a police officer and it's an honor i think it's a privilege to become a police officer because all the all there is to be selfless and to sacrifice and to serve and the public gets it wrong well i think that they just take a few like they missed the beauty like it says in the big book they miss the beauty of the forest by looking at the ugliness of right. some of its trees right. um they all love drama you know there's somebody bad in, in every community in every walk of life in every group so for the most part I think that they're good and um and if I had it to do over again I would totally I've <coughs> <coughs> not messed up my credit and like um what is this doing I wouldn't have messed up my credit and I would have like um not done drugs and alcohol and committed crimes when I was younger and I would be a, I'd be a police officer and I would be a homicide detective. Yeah, I was watching a video earlier of a officer involved shooting a, of a car and the, the officer had a panic attack. Oh wow. Yeah, he was, yeah. Imagine they must have PTSD. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, it looks like he was he was he was uh, he was upset that um, he shot the person. And he was just shaking and he had to be calmed down. Oh, I to, bet, yeah, right? Yeah, I was, was going to find it. Okay, well, so just in thinking that I wanted to be a homicide detective, I decided to look into what does it take to become a homicide detective. Would you like to know? Uh, sure. <laughs> cool, that's awesome. Cause I'm going to tell you. Um, let's see. So... Um, for what it, Sarah, what does it take to become a homicide detective? I'm just curious. <laughs> Let's say I was on the beat for like three years and I'm not a rookie anymore. And well, I think that it's for those who are not too faint of heart, and I think it's not as easy as it used to be. I think that maybe you know you just had to have like a high school diploma or a GED, and I think that well, where you can well you can get a job as a police officer in Los Angeles because you have to be a police officer first. Um, you while well, you just become a homicide detective? No, you can't. Just because you know how to do clues and, and, and no just because you, you you carry a gun and you've watched like you know fire uh, 48 hours for, oh yeah just yeah, because you watch hours, true crime shows true crime stuff yeah because I think I can shoot a gun I want to be a homicide detective what do I got to do no so you have to have been a police officer for a while first and like I said you could get away with having a GED or a high school diploma but they'd prefer that you probably had a little bit of military training and you don't have to have had that either but it's it, it, it helps and you can tell that a lot of the police have now have had military training like they look like fucking green berets and shit um, but I think anyway, it's discrimination to, to, to take only military people, but I think it's No, they don't only take it's military. I'm saying that it's, it right. looks, you know, and they also have to have, um, well, they don't have to, but they, pref you know, it looks better if you have at least an AA degree, but they would, you know, prefer if you continued on in your education and got a bachelor's degree in um, uh, criminal justice, uh, some kind of public service, um, Definitely want to be stable enough to be able to carry out arm. Well, this is the other thing, too, is they do give psychological exams. They give a physical exam. Um, also, you have to be good at problem solving um, and willing to further your education because a lot of police departments give um, incentives for 
furthering your education. I was always curious, wonder what they what, what questions they would ask to, if you were if you go in front of a psychological test. What kind of questions they would ask you? I was curious. What, I mean, how can the, a doctor can tell if you're stable enough to carry a weapon? And, um, I'm I'm not sure. I really don't know. I've always been interested in that. Yeah, I guess I'll well, I guess I'll have to look into that for no, next if time. If your history, if you're if you're like if you're stable enough, like if you went to high school, you graduated, then they talk to your parents, they talk to your friends, they go to your school, they do dig up your record because I think they dig like that. They, they look back in some of your past. Well, okay. So anyway, you um, like I said, you have to be a police officer first. Then you have to be held to very high standards. Um, that means that in order to become a police officer, you need to basically have no convictions, felony convictions, misdemeanor, right. domestic violence convictions. You can't have a history of illicit drug use or manufacturing, selling. You can't, um, uh, you have to clearly demonstrate that you have a strong morals and values. And by that means you can't have a past history of theft, embezzlement, or cheating. So basically, I'm not going to become a police officer. <laughs> no. And yeah, you all, you also will be held. Um, you might to, have a chance. No, 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 no. You'll be given a polygraph exam. Oh, I'm done. A background investigation. And um, they even fucking check your credit report. If you have bad credit, like if you're below, like it's, I don't know what the highest credit score is, but if you're like below that, below seven hundred, <laughs> you're you can't. You figured you're a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, um. So you also have to take a written examination. You have to show that you're good at problem solving skills. Um, you have good cardiovascular health. Uh, health and um it's I didn't know it was all involved in all this stuff. Yeah, so then and then you need to go to an academy which will teach you things like search and seizure, patrol theories and methods, criminal justice system, criminal law, rules and evidence, laws and protocols of arrest, firearms training, principles of law enforcement and control methods. I guess that's controlling, you know. Okay, so once you graduate from the academy and you get your badge, mm -hmm. how long before I can start investigating murders? Probably two to five years, depending. Like, for instance, you know, as we were told, the Torrance Police Department may or may not hire one homicide or promote somebody to homicide a year. So it's very competitive. That's what I'm saying. That the, the, the better the education, the higher right. the education, the more likely you a person will be. Hmm. You know, um... And also, if you don't get any, like, pitches, motions thrown against you or anything. Oh, yeah. You get the public always complaining about you? No. What a pitches motion is, is when um, uh, somebody that's been arrested feels that they've, some, some way their rights have been violated by the police officer that arrested them. And when they go to court, they uh, basically take the, the officer to court as well. So they're, like, they get a pitches motion, which shows the officer's entire history and if they've had a history of doing things like that previously like being abusive or search like you know doing a search without a warrant blah 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 roughing you up yeah shaking you down without problem and looking through your property without your right. you know without Just being a bad cop yeah then then you know Right. So if you have many of those, and maybe it's kind of looks suspicious. Yeah, and it's not likely you'll become a detective. Um, so they also need to um, have and have the ability to have inductive and, and deductive reasoning, self-discipline, honesty, and trustworthiness, 
resilience, dependability, open-mindedness. And when I mean open-mindedness, I mean they need to be open-minded enough to consider that the owl might have done it. Um, The ability to think creatively, perceptiveness, organizational skills, time management, and oral and written skills. But, um, yeah. So, uh, detectives and homicide detectives in the Los Angeles County area start at basically says that they make anywhere between $97,260 and $110,614,000. Wait, wait, $110,614,000. That's a crazy little uh, salary. It is. It is. It totally is. And since we were speaking of um, that, you must, oh, okay. Um. Okay, so we're back from our little break, and before Brett goes into his story about um, a very special LAPD homicide detective, I just wanted to, um, and you know, this will become important <laughs> in the future, but um, it's because the Los Angeles Police Department are, are both famous and infamous, and because they're all over the place, like in the movies, and um, you know, they're 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 portrayed so much, like in the movie Colors, like in um, what? What? SWAT. SWAT. Okay, what else? Uh, um, uh, training Day. Training Day. Yeah. LAPD. I mean, LAPD is right. Yeah. So I thought that they were the end all be all. I thought that they were the uh, just for the longest time I've thought that, and um, I used to believe that they were the biggest gang in LA, you know. But um, it turns out that they're not. Uh, no, the first, the biggest gang in LA. Uh, no, is LA County Sheriff's Department. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, the sheriff is elected by the people, and he is the N-word in law enforcement decisions in the Los Angeles County, period, end of story, dot com. They have approximately 18,000 employees, and um, this is, you know why this is important and why I want to bring this up, because in the area in which we live and in the, in the stories that we're going to be telling, you know, the, the South Bay, the um, Harbor area, and the Gateway Cities, there's a grip of police, and it's like, you can get confusing, you know? Um, it can get confusing as to who's who. So the sheriffs, not only they they they're the county, they right they're yeah. and but um and their sheriff and they have what they call deputies, um are the, uh, the police officers that um you know and the sheriff is the sheriff right. Um, the sheriff has jurisdiction on everything. Yes, he does. He really does. The sheriff and the deputies. The deputies. Yes. So then, so then, there are cities though that are their own cities. Like, say, Cerritos can afford probably if they wanted to to have their own police department. However, they choose not to bother with that. So, they contract out, and they have the Lakewood sheriffs, right? Yeah. Or Norwalk. They do, but they operate out of Norwalk Court. Okay. Well, the main um, hub of the sheriff's department is in downtown downtown Los Angeles in the County Hall of Justice. But they, um, they also they um, man, they man the courts. They control the court system. Yeah, all the court system. The court, they, the jails, yeah. jails, courts. MetroLink. Right. Um. Yeah. 
Okay, so the next one. Uh, transportation. Transportation. Oh, they do. They're the ones yeah, that drive ride the buses. Yeah, they, they okay. Transport the, uh, the county bus inmates from uh, court to. I think it's a Peter Pitch's Supermax in Wayside. Are they the ones that take you to and from court? Yes. Okay. So then, um, in those rickety, scary little buses that yeah. make you think they're going to fall over and you're going to die because right. you're trapped in there. Um, the Los Angeles County Probation Department would be next. We're not really going to talk about them, but I just wanted to mention them. And then there are the municipal police departments, and that is what the LAPD is. Um, and that's just like where the city... See, because Los Angeles County and Los Angeles, like, is spread out all over the place. It's like it, it weaves its way in and out, right? It doesn't, yeah. like, throughout other cities. So, like, Torrance is a city of its own. So as, it has its own police department. So it has its own police department. But like I said, though, this, there are some cities that are cities of their own who choose not to. So they contract out the sheriffs. Right. And then also the the sheriffs also cover the unincorporated areas. Right. And also the rest of... Because there's Torrance and right next to Torrance is, is um, Lawndale. And Lawndale is run by the sheriffs. Yes, exactly. So it's kind of like around here. Right. In San Pedro where right. we are. Okay, so um, the municipal police departments that will be covered in our area, well, that, that the police departments are going to be covered, but just in case, you know, it's Downey, El Segundo, Gardena, Hawthorne, Hermosa Beach, Inglewood, Los Angeles. That includes um, the Los Angeles Police Department, the University of California, Los Angeles Police Department, and I don't care what anybody says. Like, if it's a fucking police officer, it's a fucking police officer. Do not fucking fuck with it. Because people always go, oh, it's just the, like, it's just the, the college police. police and like you know it's the police okay um los angeles park ranger division that's crazy i didn't know park rangers were police what i think anybody has a gun <laughs> anybody carries a weapon creepy and the los angeles airport police <laughs> los angeles port police which is so in san pedro there is the sheriff's there is LAPD and there is the Port Police. Right, LASD, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Oh, and then LAPD. also the school police, of course, yeah. um, that always follow like the school bus after school, like when the kids have, get like, out of Dana. I think they have two campus police officers on on, on duty. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the Los Angeles School Police Department, then Long Beach, Manhattan Beach, Palos Verdes Estates, which is, I mean, they have their own little police department. Yeah, they have Palos Verdes Police Department and, and the Sheriff's Department. Well, no, no. The Rolling Hills has the sheriff's department. Oh yeah, operated out of. Out Palos of, Verdes yeah. has their own police department right. and their own police station. Right. <laughs> and then the Signal Hill, Southgate, and Torrance. And then there's also wait. Let's not forget the California Highway Patrol. Oh yeah, CHP. Okay, so Punch. they. Officer Punch really. Right, so they Chips. are up and down the freeway, and actually. I got a cigarette ticket like a long time ago. I threw a cigarette out the window and it hit a CHP's windshield, and that was a four hundred and fifty dollars ticket. So, what are the chances of that? <laughs> right, that's horrible. So, if you smoke, don't throw your cigarettes out the window. Did you stop smoking? Yes, actually, I did. Oh, okay. Um, the Los Angeles, not then, but right. The Los Angeles, actually, I've, I've quit smoking. Let me see in the last four days because I haven't had money to buy spec cigarettes. Right, no money, no cigarettes, no cigarettes, no smoking. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what, I'm. Just, gonna vape yeah we should, it's time okay so then then um i just wanted to bring up the los angeles port police because i'm kind of impressed by them they are specialized law enforcement and a lot of people don't give them credit 
I don't think around here they're always like, oh, it's just the port police, like you said. No. They do a lot of sea and air travel. Oh, my goodness. They are one of the few agencies in the nation that are dedicated, they have a dedicated 24-hour marine unit. Right. So they have officers on boats 24 hours a day and seven days a week. They can operate scuba equipment. They can dive. They can mm-hmm. operate uh, uh, vehicles on the on the water, and they can uh, operate uh, um, through the air. Right, they're pretty amazing. So anyway, um, Brett wanted to uh, end the show with a story about Jigsaw John. Yeah, I just wanted to do a plug on uh, John P. St. John. He was a, a homicide detective, and he was able to get the memorable number, badge number one mm-hmm. for the homicide detective, which I think is a pretty good honor. Okay. So I'm going to get a little plug on him. John P. St. John, uh, 1918, born 1918, May 3rd, and he died in 1995. And what was his nickname? His name was uh, Jigsaw John. And the reason why he got the name Jigsaw John wasn't because he likes to put the pieces together like a puzzle. It was because his first... Uh, his first case was a dismembered body that um, was um, dismembered at... Found in Griffith Park? Griffith Park, that's it. Uh, okay, let's get back to the, the information. on Known as Jigsaw John was an American police officer and a Los Angeles Police Department homicide detective, renowned for his investigations of many Los Angeles high-profile murder cases. One of the men we just talked about was the Jigsaw murder of, of Griffith Park, where there was a actual dismembered body taken apart by a jigsaw saw. So that's how he got his... Was yeah, that's how he was dismembered with the saw. But he was also able to put together with clues and um, put together cases, and he was able to put them together. Um, okay. Uh, upon his retirement in 1993, St. John held the highest seniority on the LAPD with 51 years of service. So he served for the LAPD for 51 years. Like he went to work every day for 51 years? 51 years. Shut up. Yeah, his, it was his life. That's uh, awesome. A distinction that earned like him. The, he's like the Cal Ripken of the fucking LAPD. He was like the Cal Ripken. He never missed practice or a game. <laughs> he always showed up. and yeah, and he was, he was just a rock star. And didn't he cover some really high-profile cases? Yes, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Okay. Uh, that's what got him the privilege of the uh, badge number one, was that he served 51 years. So I don't think anybody else has ever served 51 years on the LAPD. I don't think so, and I don't think that they also put as much time, effort, and persistence, dedication into the cases like he did. Like, for instance, the you know the, the Bonning case, the guy from Downey, which is something that we'll do since Downey is in is one of the gateway cities. Yeah, and actually, uh, I, I have uh, my grandfather owned some property where I guess the, they li- he lived with his cousin or his... The Bonning guy? Yeah. His cousin? His cousin, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay, so John served 43 years as a homicide detective. He served 51 years with the LAPD, but he served 43 years as a homicide detective beginning in 1949 when he was assigned to the Department's Homicide Division. Merged robbery homicide. So he was the beginning of robbery homicide when it was merged with the coin the train uh, homicide det- uh, robbery. One of his first assignments was the notorious Black Dahlia murder. What are you talking about? The Black Dahlia murder, yeah. He worked on that case from the minute he st- started to work on it, which would, I'm not sure what year it happened in 1940-something. Or was it? What was it? Um, 1949? Yes, 1949. And until he died? Yes, it was still an open case. It still is an open case. And he stayed on that case his whole uh, career. A case he worked on off and on until his retirement in 1993. His nickname, Jigsaw John, or his career with a dismembered murder. We are talked about the Griffin Park murder. Cut up Jigsaw. The moniker he caught, well, the moniker means a nickname. Yeah, it's, it means a nickname. 
I told Brett to use uh, words that it, the mon- would use. The name caught on because of his ability to piece clues together in difficult cases, resulting in many arrests and convictions. He became an authority on serial murders and worked 12 of them, including 1950s serial killer Harvey Glattman, Night Stalker Richard Ramirez, and the Hillside Strangler, the Southside Slayer, and William Bonin, the Freeway Killer case. I remember being freaked out about, first of all, the Hillside Stranglers, oh my gosh, and, but you know what? Oh, okay, that's beside the point. Never mind. Um, and also Richard Ramirez. Oh, Richard Ramirez was definitely he was a he was a sick puppy. But the thing about um, no, so you couldn't. It was a very hot summer that summer, and you couldn't like everyone wanted to have their windows open. Hello, and unless you had like full central air conditioning in your house, I mean, you needed to have your windows open. And this guy's creeping through windows, you know. Yeah, every, I remember it too. He did put a scare on the on, on and, and civilian life and where it made the summer help. It was it was pretty scary. It really was. I think I want to do a thing on Richard Ramirez. Nightmarish, I don't. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because he was. I guess it's, the only thing that I think is interesting about him is that he turned um, fluorescent green when he died. Other than that, I don't think that guy's interesting at all. I think he's just, I'm not interested in him. I think he's gross, and he also didn't live in any one of our. Uh, covered areas. Areas. Oh yeah, that's right. So, you didn't. Yay. Yeah, he didn't. He isn't in the South Bay, so he's not one of our murderers. Nope. Murderinos. What are they? No, no I can't even not say that. Murderino. Yeah. He's a murderer. Yeah, murderer. Okay. Okay. The hill, okay. Richard Ramirez, the Hillside Strangler, uh, the Southside Slayer, and William Bonner, Freeway Code Case. In the later, in the latter, acting on tips, St. John tracked down the Downey. California truck driver, and on June 11, 1980, his team captured Bonin in the act of sodomizing... Bonin. Bonin. I can always say that Bonin. They actually caught him in the act of sodomizing a victim in their Ugh. truck. Well, at least, you know what? At least that, that, that boy or that young man lived. Yeah, I guess, yeah. God, you know? Wow. Yeah. The killer had his murder kit in the vehicle. So I guess he had his whole kit in the vehicle, uh, duct tape, uh, blindfolds, probably some kind of knockout stuff. A wrench. Knives, whatever. Maybe f- a Polaroid camera, you know, when you could take cameras. Just, yeah, do you really now, think he'd have a, like a Polaroid camera in his kit? Well, I mean, as we see, I don't know, a lot of these killers, they keep them uh, like mementos and stuff like that. Well, I'm sure he, uh, whatever, he probably didn't. The kit isn't for keeping mementos, though. That's not a souvenir kit, it's a killer kit. I don't really know what he had in there. Okay. <laughs> what I do I want to say about this is is this one is that they had problems with the Bonin and they had arrested him for this uh, sodomization and he, they suspected him and they were on his tra- trail, but what they're having problems with the DA because the DA was having problems putting together a case, and until it was um, one of the victim's mothers sent a. Um, a letter pleading to Bonin and, and emotionally saying, please tell me what happened to my son. I and gotta I, know, yeah. Yeah, it was a pleading mother that was, I guess, touched his heart while he was in a cell 24-7, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, so he, he... finally broke down and he told all, he spilled the beans. Right, he spilled the beans and he told everything. Just everything. So I guess that's where it went with one of the uh, uh, basis of the case that got him convicted and uh, he was uh, put to death um, in nineteen. 19- I'll get to I'll, I'll find out later but here's the thing is that um, so Jigsaw John just um, let the prosecuting attorney know hey just FYI uh, glad that you got the confessions glad that he told about everything that he did he's a heinous 
terrible monster, but I wrote the letter. He said that the mother didn't write the letter. Okay. He, ne- he never said it's, that. He yeah, said, he inferred right, big time. The St. John approached the deputy DA on the case and said, I've got to tell you something. It wasn't the mother who wrote that letter. So it's basically, okay, anyway. Right, that was his, that was his, that was his style and those That's tactics. pretty neat. Well, you know, yeah. So then, anyway, so then someone wrote a book about him. Some guy named um, Al Martinez wrote a book called Jigsaw John. And in 1976, it actually became an NBC television series by the same name, starring Jack Warden. Because over the course of his career, Jigsaw John solved at least two-thirds of the more than 1,000 homicides he worked, including cop killings such as the famed Onion Fields murder. Um, and the cop turned contract murderer William Leisure and a myriad of other cop killings and gangland shootings. And in 1982, St. John became the second recipient of the LAPD's Distinguished Service Medal for his eight-year investigation resulting in the conviction of William Bonin. And Bonin was executed by lethal injection in 1996. 1996, lethal injection. Yeah. I don't like to say what I don't know until I see the facts. Well, so St. John retired from the LAPD in May of 1993 with the intention of becoming a technical advisor for the movie industry, which is kind of interesting. Like your uncle, he was he became a security guard after he he retired from the home. Right. From he LA. retired and he got picked up. Uh, they do traffic control for yeah. uh, car scenes and crashes. And and he there's a lot of old LAPD officers like that you know because there's they do a lot of filming in san pedro and you can see a lot of the old lapd officers serving as security guards and brett's uncle was one of them so i can see where you know that's kind of like a neat thing that they get to sometimes get into the movie industry in one way or another yeah i walked up to one of them and i was kind of df i was going to ask him because he was on the phone he had his his motorcycle boots on he was a motorcycle my 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 uncle he did that for like 15 years before he became a homicide detective he was a motor and i went up to him and i asked him uh and i said do you know officer weldon and he said uh son there's like 10,000 police officers in the LAPD. I might know him and I may not know him. I think he said 20,000, but there's really only 10. Oh, yeah, he did. He said 20,000. I was so butthurt that, and I came back and I did the facts. There was only 10,000. Okay, so um, so it, it was never meant to be because Jigsaw John died of complications uh, due to pneumonia and pancreatic cancer shortly after, well, two years after he, he uh, retired. And his funeral was a veritable who's who of LAPD's powerful and famous, including... Gates. <laughs> Gerald Gates. Okay. I wonder if Sheriff Baca was there. Baca. Leroy Baca. Right. Including O.J. Simpson detectives Tom Lang and Philip Van Adder. And Philip Van Adder served on... Was the Wonderland. Wonderland. Yep. John Holmes. <laughs> on that case. On that case. Um, as well as Judge Lance Ito who presided over the Simpson criminal trial. LAPD's then-chief Willie L. Williams and his predecessor, predecessor Chief Daryl F. Gates. Willie L. Williams, the first African-American um, chief. Cool. Well, he uh, he worked with uh, Jigsaw John as a young detective. Wow. Interesting. Um, he eulogized him. Williams reinstating the detective to active duty as of May 2nd, 1995 that he make his final journey as a detective of the Los Angeles Police Department. I'm sure he's up there detecting, you know, jigsawing crimes up there, unsolved crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so that concludes this um, episode. And 
we are going to get on our next one right away. We're, it's the Gateway Cities, right? Yeah. And we're not sure if we're going to do Shadow Park Murders. I don't think so. I think we should. Well, it's kind of close to home for since you lived in that area for a second. It's okay. We'll do that one. Okay. okay. We can do Shadow. I've been looking up the... Re- I've been actually doing research on my own. You didn't have to tell me to do research, so... All right, so... And what's our slogan? We've... Uh, so thanks for listening, thank and... You. Don't let... Be safe, be safe and don't, don't let, let the, the sunshine, sunshine fool you. you. Okay, bye. Oh, since it's clear